Welcome to the messages of Cornerstone Anglican Church. I have a dream for you. It's better than where you've been. You'll change the course of generations. The closest of our relationships will falter if Jesus is not first in our life. In this episode, Pastor Andrew unpacks one of Jesus' most intriguing statements. So back in the days, King Challenge was started by David Wilkerson in New York City in the slums amongst the gangs and grew into an incredible organization that reached out to drug addicts and broken young people all over the planet. And I was in one of the pioneer groups starting Teen Challenge in Sydney in King's Cross. And I read a lot of David Wilkerson's material, obviously, because he was our chief guy. But he said the number one problem of the future is not drugs, but hatred against parents, bitterness against parents. In the midst of the beginnings of what he was doing, which was actually in the 50s, and then coming into the 60s with the hippie rebellion, hundreds of thousands of young people leaving their parents and their families with great bitterness of heart. And then you have this weird reading that Luke gives us. Jesus is in the midst of a large crowd who were actually traveling with him. They were following him. It wasn't just that they were now sitting in front of him and he was teaching them, like we get many of the pictures of that. It's not like the Sermon on the Mount where he's sitting on the mountain, thousands of them are sitting in front of him. These ones are actually following him. He is moving, he is travelling, and they are following. And they are looking for more. They're impressed. Their hearts are beating. They've seen the miracles. They've seen the healing. And he turns around and stops. And he says this. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Now, I don't think Jesus was talking about the same hatred that David Wilkerson was talking about. He's not fomenting deep bitterness in personal relationships. He's not suggesting that we shred our families. It could be taken that way. But he's coming to a very deep truth. And that is that the closest of our relationships will falter 
unless he's first, unless he's paramount. Now, this is quite a striking statement given the audience. They were, I'm sure, quite shocked. Family life in the Jewish community was paramount. And here is Jesus challenging that very deep family relationship. But why is he challenging it? He's challenging it because he knows that unless he is first, then everything else in our life just doesn't work the right way. And making him first is not an easy thing to do. It's a challenge to our independence. It's a challenge to, I can do it my way. I want to be in charge of my own life. As parents, we've noticed that as our children grow, there comes a point where they want to be independent. And we try to hold that off for as long as we can, but at some point, we have to let them go. We have to let them be the person that God created them to be. And that is really hard. One of the things when a priest marries a couple, and the priest says, who gives this woman to be married to this man? The father, most times, takes a hand and hands her over. And that's what marriage is about. It is a handing over. It's not simply a continuation of a previous relationship. It's the beginning of a totally new relationship. Where a man leaves his parents and takes to himself a wife. Isn't it interesting that our tradition gets that mixed up? That it's the wife who leaves the parents and goes to the man. But either way, there's an independent entity being created in marriage. And it's going to face some really good times and it's going to face some really tough times. And it is seeing those times through together that makes marriage what it is. There's a proverb that says a threefold cord is not easily broken. And in marriage that means God, a man and a woman together. Not a man and a woman independent, either of each other or independent of God. And it is this issue of God in the picture that Jesus is wanting to make clear to the crowd. That unless I am first, and it gets tough in the Jewish community, when a son or a daughter turns to Christ and is converted, and often they are excommunicated from their families. And worse, excommunicated from the synagogue because they're followers of Jesus. So Jesus understands that personal relationship can seriously get in the way of our obedience and our walk with him and now serving him with the fullness of our life. So he's not actually encouraging us to hate the people around us. 
That is not his intention. And sometimes a person being converted to Christ has actually made those relationships stronger, more powerful, more together. It's that he's first. Then he notes that there's another element that gets in the way. And that's us. He tells us that unless you carry their cross and follow me, they cannot be my disciple. And you know, it has been hard over thousands of years for scholars to really understand what this cross is. What is my cross that I have to take up and carry? This is not the only place that Jesus says this. And my gut feeling is, and I don't know that this is the exact right answer to that, is it's ourselves. Taking up ourselves with all our frailty, with all our inadequacies, with all our anxieties, with all our fears, and following him anyway. Because if we aren't able to pick up ourselves to follow, then we will be affected by different events, barriers, difficulties and troubles. And somewhere in the midst of that, we will fail to follow. Remember the story of a great evangelist called Smith Wiggleworth. He was a plumber. It sounds like he was a good plumber. His wife was a captain in a religious organisation. She was the religious one. She was the preacher. And then he is plumbing away and gets impacted by the Holy Spirit. So filled with the Holy Spirit that he goes down to a local evangelistic tent rally and gets up and preaches and preaches. And his wife walks into the tent and says, that's not my Smith Wigglesworth. That's not my plumber. And you see, God would take us in our inadequacy, with our failures, with our frailties, and he'll call us to a greater task. Sometimes a task that is so beyond us that we can't imagine we could possibly do it. That he will call us into a situation to extend ourselves in ways that we could not imagine that we could be extended. That he will reach into the depths of our heart and so equip us that we will see miracles done through the power of Jesus. We'll see new life come to people by the presence of Jesus. In fact, we will see such things as the bitterness that David Wilkerson was referring to, totally healed. Remember we were doing a youth camp at Dubbo and there was a soccer match on and one of the guys got extremely angry. Really, really angry. And he had a problem with anger. 
Anyway, later in the day we had some songs and then we did a message and a call for healing. And he comes forward for prayer. And he said, Andrew, I have such anger. Pray that God would deliver me from my anger. So we prayed for him. That night we got back to the church for the Sunday night service. And this young guy walks up to his mother and says, Mum, forgive me for being such a rotten son. And I left them arm in arm crying over each other's shoulders, totally healed by the power of Jesus. When I was working in Teen Challenge, I had an offsider, and he just wanted to be in the ministry. So occasionally we would give him ministry to do. And we went to a school talking to Year 12s. He got up to speak, and he was speaking about love. And he was speaking about God's love. And the more he spoke about it, the worse I felt. And I couldn't work it out. So afterwards, I met with a friend of mine, an evangelist, and we were talking about it. And we nutted it out that he actually spoke about love without love. So I had him in my office talking to him about it. And I said, when we were at the school and you were speaking about love, were you loving those young people or were you having a go at them? He says, I'm having a go at them. I says, I felt that. Next weekend, we were in Nowra, and he came forward, the first up at the order call on the Sermon of Bitterness. He says, Andrew, please pray for my bitterness. And prayed, and God healed him of the deep wounds that were there. He ended up being an evangelist for YWAM across the planet. Serving God without the bitterness that had been in his heart. So Jesus understands the things that impact us. Deep hurts. So what Jesus is saying to us is, if I'm first, then everything else gets sorted in the right way. If I'm first, then your life's centered properly. And there will be true relationships. We actually get an example in our reading from Philemon with the servant who was a runaway slave, ends up with Paul. And Paul ministers to him time and time again and then sends him back to his master but no longer as a slave. And Paul talks about being a father to him. And so where maybe that servant didn't have a good family relationship, Paul steps in and rescues his life and turns it around. Befriends this guy. And then finally able to give him back not only healed, but a profitable servant again. 
part of God's healing process in our life is renewing our minds so our minds get a hold of what God wants, not what the world wants. And that renewing goes on by our meditating and thinking through the Scriptures. Isaiah 56 says this, Be just and fair to all. Do what is right and good. For I'm coming soon to rescue you and to display my righteousness among you. Blessed are all those who are careful to do this. Blessed are those who honour my Sabbath, days of rest, and keeping themselves from doing wrong. Don't let foreigners who commit themselves to the Lord say, the Lord will never let me be a part of his people. And don't let the eunuchs say, I am a dried up tree with no children and no future. I've read this passage before and it's a very intriguing passage. But I didn't think it applied to me until the Lord said, but it does. How often do you feel that you're not a part of it? That you're not accepted? That we live in this huge Anglican church which is at odds with itself and each other. And it's hard to work out which way to jump in many of the issues that are brought forward and proclaimed. And there are times when you feel like maybe I'm just not part of the right family. Maybe I didn't grow up with this. I'm an outsider. And that's exactly what Isaiah is referring to here. Do not let foreigners commit themselves to the Lord's say, The Lord will never let me be a part of his people. We need to get this and get this really clear. It doesn't matter who we are. God brings us in to his family equally. There are not greater God's people and lesser God's people. In fact, James goes to great lengths to really challenge us not to even think in those terms. And then the eunuchs say, I am a dried up tree with no children and no future. I'm thinking, you know, we've been working really hard for a long time and we don't seem to have made the ground we feel that we ought to have. We can get it into our brains that it's never going to happen. That we will never have fruit we don't have a future. And God is saying if the eunuchs have it, you have it, I have it. That God is going to bear fruit in the midst of us and through us. Because we've taken to heart his call. We've worked hard in that call. And he promises that will bear fruit. And that there's a future. There's a future for the people of God. We're not alone. Our Anglican communion has been impacted and suffered. 
How do we regroup? How do we come back in a stronger way? And it gets really simple. Jesus first. If Jesus is first, everything else follows. When I look at what you and I have built in this place for God, and you know what that's cost, And God has been at the center of this. At times when you've wondered, was it just us? He pops in and does something out of the blue. There are 14 telephone handsets in our complex. Back when we were doing all the bits and pieces, we had 50 different things that we needed to do, and the telephones was number 50, a $10,000 job, we just couldn't achieve. But we did get some quotes. And then the sales guy rings me and says, I got a phone call from a friend of mine in South Africa. He said, have you given to that church the telephone system God told you to give to them? And he hadn't. Which was a 14-set telephone system and instead of that costing us $10,000, it cost us $1,500 to install it. We just put that on the last of the list. And then God decided to put it on the top of the list. We are an awesome people of God, centered in him, committed to him, making Jesus first in our life, that we will indeed bear fruit and the purpose of God for us as a church will come forth and we will multiply. That's what Isaiah tells us. If a eunuch can have children in a future, then so can we. Let us pray. Jesus, we come to you afresh this day. We commit ourselves to you. We honour you. Help us to take up our cross and follow you in the fullness of our hearts. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you'd like to hear more great messages from Pastor Andrew, check out our Facebook page. Or look us up on the net at cornerstone-church.com.au